Start over, we could start over 
God only knows how to break through. God only knows the real you. There's a kind of love that God only knows. morning church welcome we are glad to see you welcome to Lancaster Vineyard welcome to our Sunday morning worship service we are glad you're here good to see you all I'm gonna invite you guys to, to join us stand we're gonna uh, start our service with some worship so I just invite you to stand with us and I'm just gonna say a quick prayer and invite the presence of the Lord here before we worship father God we are thankful to be in your house today and we just ask that your presence would fall on us that your presence would be made known in this room to each of us here. Father, we come expecting to encounter you today, and we trust in your faithfulness to do just that. And so, Father, we come with open arms, open hearts, open bodies for you. Lord, would you come? Holy Spirit, come in this place. We have come to this place for you to worship you, to sing your praise, to pour out our affections and our adorations toward you, God. We come to worship. Meet us here. Amen. Let's worship. Let's sing this out. We have come. And we have come to give you glory. And we Thank you. 
watch the darkness flee
of our hallelujahs weave together and they become one they become one and it's like a current underneath us yeah. oh it makes us steady it makes us stronger as we lift our hallelujahs ha. then it becomes a time worth the worship in the new 
invitation to give it all. Yes. All my love, all my love, all my love, you can have it all. All my love, all my love, all my love, you can have it all. All my heart, all my soul, I own, you can have it all. All my heart, all my soul, I own, you can have it all. Yes, you can have it all. You can have it Lord, you are worthy. You are the worthy King of kings. Lord of lords, God, you are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our affection. You are worthy of all that we have and all that we are. And so we give it to you. We come before you, God, with everything that we have. Everything that we are, we lay at your feet. Because you and you alone are the only one worthy. And we know in your great love and your great faithfulness that you receive our offering. You welcome our offering. As scarred and as stained and as tainted as our offering might be, that you receive and you welcome and you delight in our offering, God. And so we give it to you. We give you our all. Would you be here? Would you remain? Would your power move through this place and in our hearts today? We love you, Father. We worship you. And we pray all these in your name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Welcome. Welcome to the Lancaster Vineyard. Again, my name is Phil Harrington, one of the pastors here, and I just we're going to continue on with our worship service with our gifts of tithes and of offering, and we have multiple ways for you to, to give. There's, uh, there's so many different ways, and make it easy for you. Whatever is most convenient, whatever is easiest for you, whatever makes you happiest, I don't know, however it is that you want to give, we just encourage you to give, and we thank you for your gifts. Uh, when you give, you give to the vision and the mission of our church here, and uh, also to part of that mission and part of that vision is uh, our values. And one of our values that we have here is, is we want to be a church that leans younger, that is always leaning younger. No matter how old you are, how young you are, we want you to be building into the generation below you. And so we do that through many different ways, but one of it is through our kids' ministry. And uh, I just want to highlight our kids' ministry uh, because Kids Club and Youth Group are both back 
and full functioning. Uh, we started the back this uh, past week, and we're, we're on, and it's exciting. It's a good time. So if you have kids in elementary, first through fifth grade, or you have a high schooler or a middle schooler, uh, basically if they're in first grade or older and in school, we have something for them. We have programs here. We have a great time on Wednesday nights. Uh, starting at 7 o'clock, so bring your kids out. But also, just uh, we talked a lot about our year-end offering, and we just want to thank you again for your generosity. Uh, we did re- raise enough funds to hopefully uh, do a lot of not just renovations upstairs for our elementary, but uh, downstairs as well. Uh, we'll have more information as we get that, uh, but we're looking forward to pouring into our kids in that way and having our kids have a space that they love and that they feel comfortable and welcomed and encouraged to encounter God in those environments. So again, that's what happens when you give to the Lancaster Vineyard Church. That's one of many things that happens. And so we just want to thank you and uh, um, encourage you to continue to give. Uh, If this is your first, second, third time, if you're new with us and this isn't your home church, we just want to welcome you. We say thanks for coming. And part of that is if you are new and uh, haven't been here very long, don't feel obligated to give. It's just a, it's a gift that you are here. And so part of that is we want to connect with you. We want to meet you. We want to get to know you. So we encourage you, if this is your first uh, time here, to text the word CONNECT to 740-689-8463. And it's just, it just gives us an opportunity to get to know you, to meet you, to find out who you are, and uh, also give a uh, $5 donation to a local charity on your behalf. Uh, so it's a great way for us to give back to the community and say thanks for being here. So uh, we'd love to meet you in person as well. And so after the service, if you don't want to do it digitally, we can do it uh, in face-to-face on the other side of this back wall of the sanctuary. There will be somebody there to meet you and to get to know you. So we thank you for being here. We're going to continue our service with a couple video announcements, and then Johnny's going to bring us a word. Small groups are starting back up the week of January 9th. If you are not involved in a small group yet, we highly encourage you to get connected. To find a small group for you, visit smallgroups.lancastervineyard.org. If you are a leader of a small group, a ministry, or a team here at the Vineyard, or you're interested in becoming a leader, then we want to invite you to the Leadership Breakfast on January 22nd at 9.30 a.m. A full breakfast will be provided, followed by a time of connecting and updates on things that are going on here at the church. Please register at events.lancastervineyard.org. Hey youth, Cassie coming at you to talk all things Vineyard United. If you're in 6th through 12th grade, join us next year, February 11th through 13th, 2022. We have a weekend full of worship, teaching, ministry time, food, fun, you name it. I even think there's going to be some dancing. So, we have some great speakers lined up. We've got Clay Harrington coming to teach us from Vineyard Cincinnati, JT Meyer from Cleveland City Vineyard. We've got Joshua Miller from Vineyard Columbus coming to do some worship workshops, which I like to call workshops or trademark pending. So if you're interested, see a youth leader to register and some fundraiser opportunities. Again, Vineyard United, February 11th through 13th, 2022. Hope to see you there.
Hey, so one of the ways we illustrate baptism is by comparing it to a wedding ring. A wedding ring is not a marriage, but it symbolizes a relationship uh, with a spouse. Similarly, a baptism is a symbol of my relationship with Jesus. It tells the whole church body that I'm committing my life to Jesus. If you're interested in being baptized, we have an interest meeting today following both services in the VIP lounge across from reception. To register, visit events.lancastervineyard.org. Good morning. How are we all doing? Good. If we haven't met yet, my name is Johnny. I'm one of the pastors here. It's good to be with you. Uh, last Sunday we had um, you know, our, the installation service, and I just wanted to say thank you publicly. Thank you to all who attended, and I know it was uh, you know, the day after a holiday, so I know some people didn't make it because of traveling, but just, uh, I wanted just to say thank you for your love and support for, uh, on behalf of Jess and I. And I do have to share a funny story. So a few weeks ago, I think it was December 19th, we honored Joel here, and we had cupcakes, and so I think Levi thought it was Joel's birthday, and so I tried to, to explain to him, like, you know, Joel's taking on a new job, and, and I'm going to become the senior pastor, and so my five-year-old Levi, he's like, uh, I, he doesn't know what a pastor is, so it's, you know, that's a hard thing to explain to, but it's like, you know, it's, I'm going to be kind of like the boss of the church, you know? And he's like, no, I'm the boss of the church, and uh, Cassie has made him a, uh, a name tag that says the boss, and so I explained, well, then, are you ready to give some sermons on Sunday? Are you ready to stand up and speak in front of everybody? And he kind of paused, and he goes, uh, we can be, we can both be bosses. You know, you can do that. I'll do this. And so we're having this moment here on stage, you know, with my whole family up here and getting prayer. And my eyes closed. I look down, and Levi looks up at me. He's like, we're the bosses now, right? We're the bosses. <laughs> and... Uh, I'm like, man, I got, I got somebody gunning after my job, like, day one. So, no, it was fun. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to say thanks. Uh, just, it's an honor to do this. So, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to jump into a, a new series. So, Jesus, we thank you. Uh, we thank you for this morning. I thank you for this uh, church body, this church family. And as I prayed first service, I'm just thankful uh, for this rhythm of Sundays. Um, just, it's, I know for me and my life and my family's life, um, it's become like an anchor just for us. That uh, it's just a no matter how the week's going, uh, we can come to Sunday and we can be with people we love. We can be reminded of of just where we want to go in life. Um, to be empowered to to see people we love. And so I'm just thankful that we can come and worship. And so Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come. You would you would speak. Um, I pray it wouldn't be just my words. Uh, Holy Spirit, I pray we would just have hearts just open to what you want to say, and it would be receptive. I pray it would be like fertile, fertile ground that, that the seeds would land and give birth into our life. We pray for our kids. May they encounter you this morning. May it just not be a lesson of, uh, you know, memorization, but they too would encounter you, Jesus. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are starting a new series this week. Uh, it's going to be about seven weeks called uh, A Transformation Journey. So this uh, series has actually been about a year in the making. Um, and so it's, it's a vision series. It's this, this is a, I'm trying to try to paint a picture of kind of where we're headed at, as a church. And so this isn't so much a, hey, I'm the new senior pastor and we're going to make a bunch of changes and this is what we're doing. Uh, this is actually uh, a, a thing that's been in the works for about a year. Uh, this was part of 
of my responsibility when I became associate pastor back in, in the spring. And so every year uh, we get together as staff and elders. We, we, we just pray together. We, we each have our own prayer exercise where we each go off and we pray and we kind of come back. We kind of evaluate our church and then uh, and talk through some things. And then we usually pick about two to three what we call initiatives or projects. These are, could be multi-year things where we feel like we, we, uh, where we need to go. And so in the fall of 2020, you know, in the, you know, nine months into the pandemic, we're meeting together, we're praying together. And um, one of these initiatives that we, we felt like we really needed to press into was this idea of discipleship. And uh, just like uh, much of, I think, many of us have experienced and many of the church around the country has experienced is uh, this pandemic has been pretty revealing uh, in just some of our weaknesses and how we do life, how we do church, and that sort of thing. Um, and, and just this recognition we've failed uh, in some ways, in many ways, to e- equip and disciple folks uh, to be able to handle these types of things, uh, whether it's the pandemic, the, the political polarization, how to handle conflict and hard conversations. There seems to be um, this, uh, we've kind of missed the mark a little bit. We need to rethink how we do discipleship. And so this isn't just, uh, again, like I said, this isn't a Lancaster Vineyard problem. It's, it's an, an all-church pro- uh, issue that many churches that we've talked to are, are wrestling with. How do you to do uh, discipleship? One of the books I read, it's called Faith for Ex- Faith for Exiles. It's a book from uh, the Barna Group. Barna Group just does a bunch of different studies. And so one of the things they looked at was just how we are discipling young adults. And so what they did is they surveyed 18 to 29-year-olds, and specifically 18 to 29-year-olds who grew up in the church or would consider themselves Christians. And so this book came across that nearly two-thirds of those young adults who grew up in the church who would, who would have checkmarked that, yes, I'm a Christian, at some point uh, left and walked away from the church. So 64% of young adults, uh, that's two-thirds, would walk away from the church. Uh, they have another book, Barna does, called You Lost Me, which was kind of talking through this, uh, this, this issue, specifically among young people. Why are young people uh, leaving the church? Um, and so this book, uh, I put on the screen this quote, uh, they, bo- they wrote a book called You Lost Me, and they conclude the main reason young people drop out of church or fall away from faith is insufficient discipleship. The verdict of that research is that many families and churches have lost their way in terms of effectively discipling the next generation. So some of these books, some of this uh, research, some of the things come, have come together. Basically, we have a discipleship problem. And it's not just a discipleship problem for young people, young adults, teenagers, but the church overall. Uh, Dallas Willard, uh, he, he said this way before uh, any of this came out, but he says this, the leading assumption in the American church is that you can be a Christian, but not a disciple. That has placed a tremendous burden on a mass of Christians who are not disciples. We tell them to come to church, participate in our programs, and give money, but we see a church that knows nothing of commitment. We have settled for the marginal, and so we carry this awful burden of trying to motivate people to do what they don't want to do. We can't think about church the way we have been. We need to clarify in our mind what discipleship is. So again, it's not so much about needing more information, uh, needing more content. I mean, if you have one of these things, uh, if you have a smartphone, there is plenty of information, right? Podcasts, uh, 
reading plans, Bible, and you know, all these different things. It's not a lack of information, but I, I like what da- Dallas Willard says, is we need to clarify in our minds what discipleship is. We need a vision of what that is. And so that was part of our task as a team, and so it was one of my responsibilities. And so me, Joel, Amber, who's one of our elders, uh, Sarah, who's a staff member, my wife, we began meeting and, and began just wrestling with this idea, what does discipleship look like uh, for the Lancaster Vineyard. And so I'm going to paint an overview here, a little bit of, of, of this uh, today, but over the next seven weeks, we're going to kind of talk about this, this vision that we have. And the reality is, uh, one of the heart of the things is we want to make discipleship but like at the root of all we do. Like, this is what we are called to do. This is the mission of the church, right? To make disciples who what? Make disciples. Like, this is part of, of our identity. This is part of our mission. And, and so we're going to talk through how are we going to do it. What is that vision? Okay? And so, um, you know, it's not perfect, right? It's, it's not going to encompass everything, but it's a vision of what, and out of that, we hope to, to think through some resources, some di- discipleship resources, uh, like a 12-week long uh, discipleship resource that you could do in small groups, that you can do with friends, uh, and that sort of thing. So, to start off, I want to talk about what the main issue and the main problem is. The main problem and the main issue isn't whether we are being discipled or not, right? Here's the reality. We are, we are all being discipled. Um, we are all being discipled by someone or something, right? Some of it is intentional. Some of it we don't even realize. Uh, I don't know about you, but um, so I, was, I went to Ohio State, and I, I was a disciple at Ohio State. I got discipled into what it means to be a college student at Ohio State. Um, I, I got formed and discipled to hate a whole state up north, all right? And we sang songs about it, and we, we, we uh, cheered, and we had our uh, religious um, uh, activities that we would go, and we would sing these songs and cheer on this team or whatever. I got discipled in that way. I got discipled. I was a biology student. I have a, actually have a biology uh, degree. I got discipled uh, by teachings and sermons on uh, biology and evolution, right? And, uh, you know, one of those main messages I remember as a freshman um, was, was a professor. He was adamant, right? Humans are just animals, right? We are just animals. We are, we are here by accident. We are here by random. And, and so I, I got formed and shaped, right, as a, as a college student of being discipled uh, of, of these messages and formed and shaped. The reality is all of us, whether we recognize it or not, are being discipled. The reality is the questions we need to answer is who and what is doing the discipling and who are we becoming? Does that make sense? Is it becoming for us who, who want to be followers of Jesus? Is this thing forming and shaping us more into becoming like Jesus? So we have to begin evaluating certain things in our life. Is it moving me uh, in this direction? And I remember in college, so in college, I, I, had a, I had a 180 and decided, you know, this wasn't what I was becoming. I couldn't put my faith in this idea that everything is an accident, that I'm here by an accident, and therefore I have no purpose, and, and decided to just recommit my life to Jesus. And I remember as a college student making that decision and feeling like, man, it feels like I'm just going upstream. Like, everything in this culture, everything is pushing me this way, and here I am wanting something, you know, upstream, and it just felt like everything was like, 
I like I just couldn't it couldn't get us. Everything was pushing me in this one direction. I remember one person, and I think they did it out of genuine sincerity. Um, even as I'm making this and, and trying to move towards this direction, they kind of pulled me aside and, and they said, Johnny, I, I just think you're, you're taking this Jesus thing too serious. And, uh, and I'm like, really? Like, a part of me in the mind is like, really? Like, have you read this thing? Uh, but, but, I, but his heart was, and this is, this is what I genuinely think that, uh, this individual was trying to do, was uh, he was afraid of who I was becoming because in his mind, to take Jesus uh, more seriously meant not so much looking like Jesus or becoming like Jesus, but becoming more like Ned Flanders, if you know who Ned Flanders is. Does anybody know who Ned Flanders is? Somebody, somebody like, had to... I guess I thought I was picking this like that show's been on for like 40 years. I thought I was going to be relevant to the young folks and the old folks, but Ned Flanders is this character on The Simpsons, right? It's it's Homer's uh, neighbor. He was like, you know, hey, Dilly, we got a partner or whatever. He's just like this real happy, but really, he's just like this irrelevant guy. Uh, uh, but in his mind, he just was he was fearful of me of of becoming this this person that. Um, was just kind of irrelevant to, to culture and to society. And, and again, but it was this push of, man, a, a moving me in this direction. And I don't know about you, doesn't it feel like that uh, for some of us who want to grow in becoming more like Jesus, uh, to become closer to him, uh, to be more in his presence, that there's all these things that feel like are pushing us um, like downstream, and, and it feels like this is really hard, and especially if you want to become like Jesus, right? Uh, most of us go, okay, that just means I got to try harder. I got to, I got to pray more. I got to, I got to read the Bible more, and and so uh, we're, you know, we're trudging along, and and none of those are bad things, right? But it can feel exhausting. Uh, growing up, we'd go to the ocean. And uh, I used to love, like, you know, riding waves with my little, you know, waver board thing, and I'd play in there for hours. But, you know, at times, there'd be times when I'd be doing that, and I'd be playing and playing and playing, and then I'd look up to see where I was, and I'm, like, a half a mile, like, down from where I started out, and I'm like, where am I? Like, and where's my family, you know? And I think that's uh, often the case, too, is there's this subtle, right, tide that's pushing us. And sometimes we don't even recognize um, what's forming and shaping, shaping us, what's discipling us. I'm not going to go into it extensively, but even if you think about digital technology or social media, those sorts of things, these have been like the primary disciplers of our culture at the moment, right? And I'm not like saying we need to go Amish and go flip flones, but, um, but these things are just always trying to grab our attention, aren't they? Like they're actually programs and they're, they're intent, they're wiring, they have these algorithms just to keep your attention longer and longer. They want you to see, they want you to stay longer and longer on that app so you see more and more advertisements. Uh, they want, their goal is basically to get you addicted because addiction means uh, money for them, right? And so this has been formed and shaped us. Um, you know, the average iPhone user touches his or her phone 2,617 times a day, uh, over two and a half hours a day. And if you think about how that forms and shapes us, I know even for me, uh, my wife gets on me. If, like sometimes, it, right, we, we're just not present. We're not present with those who we love. We're not present uh, with those around us. If, even if you watch, if you go watch people on dates, like, you know, sometimes they're both on their phones. You know, have you never noticed that? Um, and if you do that, like, there's no judgment. It's just we have been formed and shaped, right, by these things. And we got to recognize what is shaping us and who are we becoming. 
And are we forming and being shaped into more like Jesus? And so that's what we're talking about. And so um, if you have your Bibles, we're going to kind of go from the beginning. How did Jesus make disciples? Because that's how we're going to start. That's how we're going to look at this framework is how did Jesus actually make more disciples? So if you have your Bibles, go to Matthew 4. We're going to look at how Jesus called the first disciples. Um, you know, so if you, have your, if you have your Bibles, go there. I'm going to give some, some background uh, into this to help explain this, to set this passage up a little bit more. So obviously when you think of Jesus, we think of Savior, we think of Lord, uh, and that sort of thing. But one of the, actually one of the primary ways a lot of people interacted with Jesus was they saw him as a teacher or a rabbi right? Jesus didn't actually invent discipleship. That was something that was already going on. There was, there was already rabbis and, who went around teaching. And so rabbis had two things. I'll put this on the screen. Rabbis had two things. They had a yoke, which meant just uh, their interpretations of scripture. It was their, uh, their way of interpreting mainly the first five books of the Bible, but um, anything from, there were 613 commands, but, but how to... Um, basically it embodied their way of life and the view of scriptures, the view of God, how to do life. And so every rabbi had a yoke. The other thing a rabbi had was disciples, or what they call the Greek word talmudim, means plural for disciple. A better modern translation would be, because uh, we don't use that word disciple or anything else, would be an apprentice, somebody who um, would be trained and equipped to become like a rabbi. And so if you want to understand, uh, there was a pretty lengthy process if you wanted to become a disciple, uh, to be, even become a rabbi. You had to go through this huge process, and it was only for a select few. I want to go through this a little bit. So how the education system worked for the first century Jew is between the ages of five and ten, this would be like our elementary ministry, um, they would study, it was called Bet Sefer, it was, it was the, studying the book of the Torah. And so for, five, for these five to ten-year-olds, by the end of it, the goal was to memorize the first five books of the Bible by heart. All right? So f- imagine that. Like, I'm good, like Jesus wept. You know, that's like... Give me a star, right? They, like, memorized the first five books of the Bible. Um, at, the, at the age of 10, right, that's when most education ended for both, mainly for females, but for most of the males as well. At age 10, uh, if you weren't the best, then you were just to go back home and you'd become just an apprentice to the family business, whether that's uh, a carpenter or whatnot. You would just go do what your dad did was basically that was your path for the future, but for those who were like the best, from age 10 to 15, they would go on to this schooling called Bet Tamud, which, uh, and, and that was all about studying the whole uh, Old Testament. So from Genesis to Malachi, they would memorize most of those books of the Bible. It's an oral tradition. They can't, they can't order Amazon and two days later get the Old Testament, right, delivered to them. Uh, they can't go in the copier and, and copy it. Everything was oral tradition, meaning they, everything that was meant to be passed down had to be passed down by word of mouth. And so these 10 to 15-year-olds would study the whole book of the Bible, and uh, they would memorize the whole t- Old Testament. And then at the age of 15, again, most of them would go to, to be an apprentice. But the best of the best could go up to a rabbi and go, hey, I want to be your disciple. And so a rabbi would look at them and immediately give them a test, basically a, a pop quiz, an ACT test, right then and there, and say, all right, 
just drill them on, well, how do you read this? How do you read this? What's this? Do you have the whole thing memorized? How do you interpret this? And just go through this list of questions and just drill them, drill them, drill them, drill them. And what the rabbi is doing is, is does this kid have what it takes? This is what he's trying to find out. Does this kid have what it takes to be like me? Can he encompass my, my yoke, my interpretations of the scripture? Do those line up? Does he have what it takes to, to become like me? And if the, if the rabbi's drilling him and he's like, uh, I don't think you got it. Uh, you just need to go home, uh, go do the family business, become a fisherman, whatever. Sorry. We regret to inform you that you don't make it. Right? And how many of us have felt that at some point in our life? Right? For the majority of life, I'm sure many of us at some point have gotten that letter that says, sorry, we regret to inform you, um, so-and-so, you don't, you don't have what it takes. Remember, as an 18-year-old, applying for, I had my whole life mapped out of what I'd do, what I'd study, what I'd be. I applied for this college. Uh, I go to the mailbox of my parents. I see this letter from that college or university. All right, my heart's beating. You know, I run into, uh, I, I even put, went into the car because I didn't want to read this in front of people. And I open it up, pull out the letter, right? Dear Jonathan Friesner, we regret to inform you uh, that you don't get in. I'm sure many of us, I've had those experiences, right, where whether it was uh, a, a college you applied to or a job you wanted uh, uh, or you got let go of a job or, um, or it was, it was a, a person of the opposite sex that just said, friend zoned you and just said, hey, it's not you, it's me, right? We all have had these experiences, haven't we, where we haven't felt like we were enough. And for most of the Jewish uh, culture, that's what they heard at least uh, at one point, specifically if you were an, for, uh, a female. But here we are, it's Matthew 4. This is how Jesus, this is the way Jesus viewed discipleship. And if he's God, right, uh, to use a football analogy, Right? If you think of recruiting, there's stars. There's the best of the best are five-star recruits, right? I mean, this is Jesus. He's God. Shouldn't he get like the best of the best? Shouldn't he get like all five-star recruits, right? But this is who Jesus goes after. Matthew 4, 18 through 22 says this. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me. Most of your translations would say, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left their boat and, and their father and followed him. So again, if you think about how the, the structure worked uh, for the, those who became a disciple, like I said, the rabbis would drill, they would drill, but if they said like, oh, I think this kid has it, they would say those words, come follow me, right? And so for 15 years, from the age of 15 to 30, they would be trained as a disciple to when they were 30, they would become their own rabbi. And so Jesus shows up first to these two guys who are fishermen means, right, they never made the cut. At some point, at either age 10 or age 15, somebody told them, sorry, you don't have what it takes to be a disciple. James and John, 
They're with their dad, which means they're probably apprenticing under their dad, which means they're probably 15 to 20 years old. Same thing. At some point, they got told, sorry, you don't have what it takes. But Jesus goes to them and says, come follow me, which means basically you have what it takes. You have what it takes to to come and follow me to be like me, to do what I can do, and to take on the yoke, the teaching that I have. And that's the same invitation for us, right? The way of being a disciple or an apprentice of Jesus is not about being good enough or making the cut. It's saying yes to that invitation to follow him. Come be with me. Come follow me. And this is what Jesus went around doing. This is where he went around. He, he went to guys like Matthew, uh, who was a, a tax collector. This was a, somebody who was despised by all the other Jewish uh, people because he basically chose the Romans over the, the Jewish people. Uh, and he, he went to, to Matthew and said, Matthew, come follow me. He gave him that invitation. He gave that invitation to women, right? Women couldn't be disciples. But Jesus went to women and said, come, follow me. In Luke 8, verse 1 through 3, it says that Jesus took 12 disciples along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary Magdalene, from whom he had cast out seven demons, um, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's business manager, Susanna, and many others, meaning many other women, who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. So there's this idea, regardless of age, regardless of gender, regardless of education, regardless of how smart you were, regardless of your social status, regardless if you thought you were a one-star recruit or a five-star recruit, Jesus' invitation was for everyone, come and follow me, you have what it takes. Anybody can be my disciple. Anybody can follow after me and become like me. But it was more than just an invitation to kind of follow Jesus around or to just be his uh, fan uh, and, and be part of the crowd. But he actually had a reason, a purpose for that following. He had a purpose for them to follow them. Do you remember in verse 19 it says, follow me and what? I will make you fishers of men. So part of this discipleship process, this apprenticeship, was not more just than come and be with me, but I'm going to actually make you. That word actually is a construction word. It's, it's, it's like you're constructing something. You're building something uh, for a purpose. And so if you're into construction or uh, like me, I like woodworking, you build things for purpose, right? To be used in a way. And so Jesus is saying, I'm going to construct you. I'm going to build you. Uh, I'm going to transform you for a purpose, and that's part of this discipleship. You're going to be transformed, and you're going to take something that you do now in the natural by throwing in nets and catching fish. I'm going to transform you to a different purpose where you're going to be catching people. But how does that happen? How does, how does one get transformed to be like Jesus? And real briefly, I'm going to go through, that's where the yoke comes in, Right? This idea of the yoke, these interpretations of teachings. This is, this is how rabbis would transform uh, their disciples, was to teach them and to get them to embody their yoke. In Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30, Jesus says this. He says, come to me. It's that same invitation, just like come follow me. He says the same thing. Come to me, 
All who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I'm going to read this again uh, in the, in the message, uh, the paraphrase from Eugene Peterson. He says this, Are you tired? Are you worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. If you think about most rabbis, their yoke was these interpretations. It was taking this 613 do's and don'ts and even adding to them. Like it's all about just doing the right things, not doing the wrong things. It became this heavy burden for people to actually live. But Jesus is saying, my yoke, it's light and it's, 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 it's actually going to give you rest. If you think about the purpose of a yoke, figuratively, it was this wooden bar that would basically unite two ox to go in the same direction, right? And make sure if you didn't have this, you know, the, the ox could go in two different directions and it would get real crazy, right? And so this yoke, this yoke would, would hold these two animals together and allow them to push together. And this is what Jesus wants us to picture, is he wants us to picture that part of following him, part of being his disciple, is seeing this yoke where we are in company with Jesus. Just picture that in your mind. Of all the things in life, the, the stream that's pushing against you, the things where you feel like you can't go in, Jesus wants you to imagine this yoke where you have this bar across your, head, across your neck, and you look over, and it's Jesus who's doing life with you. And he's like, keep in step with me. Keep in company with me. This yoke is light. It's easy. Just come with me. Come with me. Be with me. And embody my life. This is the picture Jesus wants his disciples to have, is to be yoked with Jesus. It was more than just a set of teachings and do's and don'ts. It was a lifestyle. It's a way of doing life. Jesus' main teachings were about the kingdom of God, breaking in. And Jesus is saying this, this idea of the kingdom of God breaking in is, is you can actually live in the kingdom of God now. This is how you live life now. The reality is if we want the, the life Jesus offers, we got we to gotta embrace the lifestyle of Jesus, to be in company with him, to do the things that he did, and then slowly this journey of being transformed like him over and over. Again, being a disciple or an apprentice of Jesus is continually say yes to that invitation to follow him. One of the first responsibilities was to be with him, to experience him, to see what the things that he did, and then to unite yourself with him and his way of life so that you could be transformed for his purpose. So actually, how do we do this? So this is this broad picture of I want us to think of discipleship. This is what it means to come and be a follower of Jesus. This is our heart. We don't, we don't want just people who can check a box. We want people who follow Jesus. What's one thing you can do even this week to do that? One of the things is um, uh, just to have this vision in your mind of who you're becoming, 
right? And one of the ways we can do that is you can, uh, there's, I'm giving you two options. A little, I like to choose your own adventure. If you're a reader, um, just I encourage you to read, the, read uh, Matthew, read one of the Gospels, and as you're reading it, see who Jesus was. Who was Jesus really? Is this, uh, this is the vision of who we want to become. It's, it's helpful to have that vision consistently in our minds of who are we becoming. If you are not a reader, um, I'd encourage you to do both. I'd encourage you to try. But uh, may I even suggest the Chosen series? So normally I don't recommend TV shows that depict Jesus, right? Because he ends up um, being really cheesy. But I think the Chosen actually does a really good job of portraying who Jesus is. And I think they actually do a really good job of seeing how these disciples, these, these ragtag, ordinary, one-star people become disciples. And so if you can, it's a free app. If you search for it, just search for The Chosen. Uh, you can even get it on your TV, watch it. If you haven't saw that, I'd encourage you to do that. And then the last thing, just, just part of this idea of being a disciple, one of the first responsible, or responsibilities or things that a disciple did would literally just follow their rabbi. And so uh, find time to just be with Jesus. And I'm not so much a, you, it has to look like a certain way. Uh, for many of you, uh, you, there may be certain things that, um, that get you present to Jesus. Maybe it's worship music. Maybe it's going for a walk. Maybe it's reading. Maybe it's just being in community. Whatever it is for you that, that gets you um, present with Jesus, I would encourage you to do that. If you don't know where to start, I would encourage you uh, just to take 10 minutes of silence and solitude at some point in your day. 10 minutes, where the only goal is to be with Jesus. You don't have to read anything. You don't have to do anything. It's just 10 minutes to be with Jesus. And then build off of that. I'm going to end it this way with this quote from Dallas Willard. He says this, The greatest issue facing the world today, with all its heartbreaking needs, is whether those who are identified as Christians will become disciples students, apprentices, practitioners of Jesus Christ, steadily learning from him how to live the life of the kingdom of heavens into every corner of human existence. Would you guys stand with me as we just close here? We just end our services uh, just as a way just to, again, we, we just believe here that God is still on the move and still wants to do things. And, and he's not this distant God where all he wants us to do is just read about it and then go on our day. Um, and so we, we just take a moment here and we, we pray this really simple prayer of come Holy Spirit. Where we just say, God, whatever you want to do, we ask that you would come. So I just encourage you, I'm going to wait a little bit. And uh, I know sometimes silence, we're not used to silence. We so often fill silence with something. We are very distracted. So we're going to take a moment. And I just encourage you just to engage your heart, your mind, into what Jesus has for you. Come Holy Spirit.
didn't do this first service, but I can't uh, can't keep to shake it. But uh, I was just um, felt like the Lord just said, "Remind them the power of images." Right? Uh, so often there's been studies done of just even like the program like Instagram, where these images and how it impacts young girls' minds. These power of images uh, that can affect affect our minds, our thoughts, our behaviors. I just sense the Lord say. For us, we, we, have, we need to continually have this image of Jesus uh, because we become what we give our attention to. And I just sense that for some of us, we just, we've recognized, man, I, I don't give my attention to Jesus. I, when, I, when I picture Jesus, and, and here's what I sense for some of you. Some of you are trying to think of Jesus and there's this shame and this guilt, like, ah, oh, I'm not doing enough. And I felt like Jesus just say, that the invitation is still come follow me. Come follow me. It's not a performance. Come follow me. This is what we do over and over again. It's not a one prayer. It's not a one action. It's over and over again we choose to follow you, Jesus. So if that's you, if you maybe even never have said yes to Jesus, maybe it's like you've recognized, man, I have not given Jesus the attention that I, that I want to. Uh, maybe it's for you, you just have never said, you know what, I want to follow Jesus. Like, I want to make a concrete decision. I want to follow after him. I want the life that he offers. I want to become like him. I want to be one of his disciples, one of his apprentices. Then I'm going to encourage you to come up and get prayer. Uh, for some of you um, are just going through a lot of heavy stuff. Like life feels like it is just this stream and you feel like it's one thing after the other and you just feel heavy burden. Um, you feel burnt out. Uh, would you just come and get prayer? Um, part of this idea of, of yoking ourselves with Jesus, part of the purpose of our body is, is yoking ourselves with others in the same direction and we get to do that. It's one of these purposes we come to pray for one another is that you don't have to go through life alone. That when you cross a river, you can link arms and you're able to go across. And so for some of you, that imagery, you just need that. You're just going through situations, uh, hard things, and you just need uh, that just to know that you're not doing it alone. And so if that's you, I just invite you uh, to come. Andrew just had a word uh, just about uh, the, the Holy Spirit depositing gifts. And I think part of this reason I think Andrew gave this is for some of you, uh, if that doesn't apply to you, I just begin looking around and saying, okay, God, who is, who's heavy burden? Who do I need to link arm with? Who do I need to encourage? Who do I need to empower? Who do I need to give a prophetic word? So I just, I give you freedom and permission to like, uh, to, to go do that. But uh, I'm gonna have Julia sing a little bit and then we'll, we'll dismiss.
just going to give a couple invitations. Just uh, I just sensed uh, as I was uh, waiting there, I just felt, felt specifically to pray for some of our young people. Um, those who are probably the age, I don't know, uh, 13 to in their 20s. And um, I'm going to ask you to do a brave thing. Would you just come forward? Can we pray for you? Um, just I know this is a foundational point in your life where you're trying to navigate and figure out uh, what life is all about. And I just sense like that you would get a picture of what Jesus offers. And you don't have to be bashful. I'm going to pray and prayer dismissal here, so everyone's going to leave anyway. But uh, just would you would you just come forward? And we're just going to end here uh, praying for these folks, these young people. Um, and my prayer is uh, you guys would experience Jesus, you know, that you wouldn't experience religion, you wouldn't experience uh, do's and don'ts, you would experience the life that Jesus has for you. And so if, if I can get some people to just lay hands on pray, I'm going to pray for them. And then... Uh, um, we're going to dismiss. So, uh, yeah, can I have some folks just lay some hands on on these folks? And uh, I just sense two, just to release some prophetic words on them. Um, I think it would be uh, just to give vision of what life is like that Jesus is inviting you into. I thank you for these folks who've just said yes to just receive what you have. And I know there's probably some bashful ones. It's okay. But Jesus, you have the same invitation to something more than what um, marketing and what this world is trying to tell us is to have the life. How it's trying to feed us with images of, of, of feeling less than. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you would, you would just show them the life that you have for them. I pray you would reveal yourself in really specific ways. May they see you. May they encounter you. May you, they experience the realness of Jesus and his kingdom. And at their age, they can be a part of it. God, I just pray for us as a church. May we just set in our minds that we, we want to be followers of you, Jesus, first. We want to be with you, Jesus. We want to experience more of you. We want to hear your voice. We want to, we want to become like you, Jesus. We want to experience your kingdom. And we want to be transformed. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You dismiss. If you want to pray over them, anything specific, but uh, we'll dismiss. And if, if you're new, I'd love to meet you out in the lobby.